welcome to Parapods, City of Parramatta Libraries um, podcast. And as you know, we're all about um, books, libraries, reading, information, um, audio materials and everything in between. I'm Catherine and our special guest today is, is Liz Wheeler. Liz, welcome to our program. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, Liz, thanks so much for coming and making time and bringing Poppy, your lovely guide dog. Um, Liz, I have met you down at uh, Parapause, the City of Parramatta Council's dog park. And um, yes, yeah, so I got to know you through Poppy, your lovely guide dog. And um, I've been so impressed when I've spoken to you. Um, you're obviously, you know, you're a, a young person who has a sight impairment. And in fact, you sent me some biographical information. And so now I actually realize that you have a degenerative eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa. Well done. <laughs> that is very hard to say. And yes, that's correct. <laughs> and that is slowly taking your your sight. Yeah, retinitis pigmentosa, or RP for short, is um, a genetic eye disorder. So it was something I was born with, and it affects many people differently. For me, it's slowly been taking my sight from the outside in, um, effectively making me tunnel blind. I'm now in what they call the end stages of the disease. So I have about 5% of my total vision remaining, which is my central vision, um, and that's starting to break down and, and degenerate as well. So I don't see very much, and um, I don't see as well as most people with healthy eyes would see. Mm. Yeah, of course. And Liz, um, looking at your biographical information, I, I mean, I can see that you love book you when you were younger you loved books you loved libraries and you're you're a you were a reader but um uh, now you you still enjoy um fiction you still enjoy listening to audio books and um and you're studying do you want to tell us a little bit about you know what you're studying and you know how you do access um audio books yeah so uh when my sight got really severe i um had to leave my job and uh, make a lot of changes in my life and I had to learn a lot of things including things from cooking, how to get down the street and all sorts of stuff and um, having always loved reading and loved loved thinking and loved all those sides of things I set myself the goal of learning how to use computers so that I could start to study and um, read all those fascinating papers and continue again. So um, a few years ago I enrolled at a private university called the Australian College of Applied Psychology and um, in a state where I could barely type a document, let alone <laughs> read one, um, they were just a um, wealth of support and encouragement and so one subject at a time we developed ways of um, being able to access the information and read it. Uh, so for university I'm using some applications so there's um, things that convert text to speech like Voice Dream Reader um, and I use that and it's a robot voice reading um, lots and lots and lots of text on all sorts of things to me. Um, the text is dry and the voice is dry so they're a perfect match and I pay attention and take my notes and learn. Um, but when it comes to 
reading for leisure and for pleasure. Uh, voice Dream Reader is great, but he is not good enough. So I hunted and I searched because I needed my books back. I needed, needed to read. Um, and I think many people will understand that. And I discovered Audible, which is a company that hires actors to read out all of the books um, that are available, um, many, many books, new releases and everything, um, and that has been um, a, a saving grace. I love it. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, um, Liz, um, I, I was, I've prepared a few questions. I know, you know, we, when we've been talking at the park, I've, I've said to you, um, you know, first of all, are you a reader? Because I wanted you really desperately to come onto our podcast because you're such an amazing young woman. And, uh, and I thought it'd be really interesting for people to listen to, you know, just how you um, sort of circumvent having, um, you know, um, the, well, really the blindness that's overtaken your, your young life. But, you know, you're such a vibrant uh, young woman and I know that you're involved in lots of activities and uh, you and your partner, Dennis, you know, obviously get out and about and enjoy your lives immeasurably. Um, but um, I did want to ask you a few library uh, sort of reading things. And also, I really want to introduce you to the resources that we have at City of Parramatta, which is Borrow Box and a good range of uh, audio books. And also, you know, tell our audience about that. And that's part of, um, you know, our library's e-resources. So, um, and we're definitely we're going to join you up, hopefully you'll get a library card today, young Liz. Yeah, that will definitely happen. I'm really, actually, that was why I was so excited to come in because I've been very keen to connect yeah. to these services. So. Yeah, come in and have a look around our library. Because, you know, I mean, like, I think 50% of, um, you know, the sort of services of public libraries these days is, you know, not just sort of book collections, but it's like a whole range of other things. It's programs and it's um, spaces. And I know that, you know, you said you used to use this library and, and other libraries when you were younger. Um, and, you know, this library is always full of students, of course. And I mean, I know you're a young student, so, you know, you're always welcome in this space. But I mean, I know that there's sort of some limitations to where you can study because of, you know, access to your material. But, um, so look, I'll just start by asking you, um, what are you, listening to right now and you know why and how do you choose the sorts of um you know um fiction and, and even non-fiction because non-fiction is absolutely incredibly fascinating these days there's such a wide range so i'd like to know you know what you're listening to why so tell us liz yeah um so this book is not something i would not well i wouldn't have picked it for myself and i wouldn't have known it in existence um so Having come to the end of um, reading, I think, the latest Leanne Moriarty book that's been released, um, so I am one of those people that doesn't miss a Leanne. Good. Um, we love Leanne yeah. Moriarty. Wish we could get her to be a guest at yeah. our library. So I did just devour Nine Perfect Strangers, and um, I was at a loose end, and I thought, oh, I need something. So. I put a post up on Facebook and I said, what can people recommend to read that they think I might be interested in? And a good friend of mine, I worked with her and she's, um, we have a lot of really intelligent um, philosophical conversations um, 
and we used to work together and solve business problems and things like that she recommended a book called the fountainhead mm-hmm. and um, i believe it's um, a bit of a classic and um, and she wrote you will like it because you love philosophy and i thought okay well i'm in mm-hmm. um, so i am probably about 13 hours into it which is audible book talk or audio book talk we don't go by pages yeah that's right I couldn't tell you what page but I can tell you roughly hours and um I am just finding it so interesting Mm. I actually there's there's moments in it where I'm thinking there is a conversation happening and it's happening at two levels and I'm not quite understanding where this conversation is going and what is occurring mm-hmm. um, and then there's other moments where suddenly the conversation comes into context yep. um, and it's funny because I think I remember the very first probably the first 10 minutes of the book um, I think Henry Rourke is uh, one of the main characters is talking to his dean and his dean's expecting him to be most upset about being kicked out of university and yet Henry is explaining and thanking them for what they've given him and that he he agrees it was time for him to leave in spite of not getting his qualification as an architect because he's learned all he possibly could from them and there was nowhere further for him to go and it was um it was a hilarious conversation on one level but it was just fascinating on the other because I thought wow <laughs> what a character to know himself so I'm really really enjoying this book mm. yeah I know I've read The Fountainhead and I, I mentioned it to you many years ago and I was just really struck by you know what a um, you know it is philosophical it, it's really advocating a kind of a, a way of thinking about your life and and um, and, and and sort of um, it's a sort of a, a guide to like how to be your best self in some ways. Do, do, you, do you agree with that, with that character? I think so. And, I, and what I find fascinating is um, on one level you think there's a lot of destruction going on, uh, particularly with Dominique and where I'm at at the moment. Mm. But then on the other hand you realise actually she's protecting him for the very things he doesn't want. What society seems to think is successful and what society expects she's sort of... Mm you know blocking and I find that really interesting um, yes. yeah so I'm actually really enjoying it and I believe this book has been re-released because I probably spent about before the book started 10 minutes the author has discussed the book and why he wrote it and how he felt about it mm. and um, I'm almost wishing they put it at the end because I think it would have been so I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again when I finish the book to get mm. better context about it but um, yeah it's a real thinking book and I'm really enjoying that which is good. Oh, that's fantastic. I know it's almost like, um, in some ways, some um, in some ways, a political book too. And um, I know um, there's there's been a lot of debate about that book. But um, it just um, I'm so glad that um, you know you've you've got access to you know books like this. And I I guess um, I wanted to also ask you um, when you because you did mention that when you were uh, child you used to read um and um, i mean and um, i think that's where your love of reading starts you know with your parents and just hearing books and and hearing storytelling when you're little so i thought i'd ask you kind of what what sort of books did you favor when you were just a little girl um so i loved books as a little girl and i think to give you some context my mother has 
always been a big reader. Now, my parents, um, when they uh, got a little bit more money, we lived in a small, modest house um, in the western suburbs, and uh, when most people were putting in en-suites and things like that, my mum put a big shelf across her whole bedroom, enough to hold three books in, um, and the whole thing was filled with books. Her bedroom was just filled with books. So there was this, the smell of books and just this whole wall of them. Um, mm. So my life has always been filled with books and once a month, um, again, you know, modest family, um, not a lot of money. So we would spend a lot of time at the library and also at that secondhand bookstore st where we would go in, all, all the books we were willing to part with in hand and putting them back to the counter and, you know, mm. redeeming a little bit of money and then using that money to go and buy some new secondhand books and, um, you know, and feeding our habits, so to speak. And uh, there were, I think, at different ages, there were many different books. I seem to remember being obsessed with the um, magic faraway tree and um, just the, the magic of those. Um, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. I remember uh -huh. being in year two and Mrs Ferguson would read that to us and I could barely sleep the next night for, for thinking about it and waiting and having to get through a whole day of school for that last 15 minutes where she would <laughs> read another page of the book. And, um, and I remember she would pause sometimes and she would say, oh, I need to skip over this bit. Because obviously there were things she thought that were too adult for um, young children. And I just remember thinking, I can't wait till I'm old enough to read that book. <laughs> and I remember my first copy actually, <laughs> The front cover was missing off it. It was torn and, um, mm -hmm. and you know, and obviously we'd found it somewhere and I was just so desperate to read that text. It didn't matter that the book was incomplete. It just mattered that I could read it. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I think I need to go back and read them again. I think it's um, almost time to, to revisit that at a different age. So there was definitely, I think, those books stood. Um, the Emily books, Emily of New Moon, so I was more of uh, those ones than an Anne of Green Gables girl. Mm -hmm. And um, Emily came into my hands through my Nana's library. My Nana is English and she moved to Australia for a couple of years um, before realising they missed the homeland and heading back and I spent a mm -hmm. week with her. And I remember crying because <laughs> I had to return the book. <laughs> <laughs> And I was devastated and I, and I was trying so hard as this um, 10 or 11 year old to explain to my Nana about why this book was so important and why I had to have this one, this, this book and uh, did we have to return it and couldn't we go and buy it from them or, you know, is there not something we could do? And um, she was explaining to me, you know, the philosophy of sharing a book and that if I felt the magic, did I want to take it away from another girl who might like it and all the rest of it anyway? My Nana was amazing because she did make me return the book and we did do the right thing and I was devastated until Christmas came and the entire box set had arrived. And I still have it, I can't read it, but I couldn't part with it either. And that's the Emily books, Liz? Yeah. By, yeah, um, we'll look that one up, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think we, I, I'm thinking... Um, we'll put it on our um, blurb. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well... You know what, that, that speaks volumes actually of, you know, your, um, your nana and, and, you know, I think sort of the, um, the kind of gift that, you know, your family has given you. Because I think, you know, I find that with, you know, a lot of my colleagues and people I know who are really engaged in wanting to learn about life and be entertained and, um, you know, um, 
amused by um, books that you know they since they've they're very little they've you know they've had that sort of history of of having um, books placed in their hands but um, at least for you it's it, it is a, a complete departure now because like physical books are no longer part of your life and so you know you've um, you've entered like an alternative realm but you know but Nevertheless, it's it's still for you can resonate just as well because you mentioned you know you can you can read um, um, sorry you can listen to audio books that have really good actors and they're you know they're sort of reading the books and so it brings it to life in just the same way. Yeah, it's just as immersive. There was a period of grief um, when I thought I had lost books and there was um, a few years where I daren't even try and pick one up. Um, for anyone who, uh, perhaps there are listeners out there who have macular degeneration or are, are experiencing some form of loss in their sight and there's this period where you can still read but it's incredibly painful or it's incredibly difficult and it takes a cost and it's really hard to enjoy a book when you're suffering that eye strain or that pain or putting it under a magnifier and it kind of makes your eyes shift a certain way which almost it, it, it's almost um, at some point it almost becomes not worth it and before I had discovered there were there were other ways to read the books um, I had kind of I'd lost that joy I'd lost that um, just I can go sit and read and relax because it had become work or it had become almost like chasing the words or getting the words and getting a headache at the same time so discovering audiobooks and discovering um, particularly when I find when they're read by an actor discovering how wonderful they can be and also how much more available so the experience of reading I think once you settle into a good audiobook is the same as reading from text mm. and that that was a lovely that was a wonderful wonderful supply surprise I was mm. so grateful for that but then I discovered the advantages. So yesterday I was cooking, I was in the kitchen chopping up chicken and um, vegetables and all those things that require your hands and I was listening to my book. I had my book and that was great. Well, perfect. In fact, that's a bonus. Yeah. That, um, you know, um, sighted people, you know, don't have because, you know, we basically concentrate on that one thing. But is that kind of... uh, leads me to the next question I was going to ask you about uh, what you thought about motivational books and I wondered whether you believe that they help people lead happier lives because like I, I, I know as a young vibrant young person the um, making that adjustment from being a sighted person to a person with um, sight impairment would have been something that you had to come to terms with did did you find um, anything in particular like um, some kind of maybe motivational books helped you or did you just work it through in your own head? Um, it's really interesting because I do read different books for motivation. So I think I've read, is it Deepak Chakra's book? Yeah, Deepak uh, Chakra is one of, the, yeah, one of the sort of real stalwarts. Yeah. He's kind of... And he was fantastic. So when I read that one, um, his publishers, and there was a male and a female, would read one chapter, Mm. and then he would read a chapter. Mm. And 
Um, so you would hear it in his words, and it, and it was really great. And it was a book that you would take a chapter and pause. And um, mm. and I think his message is about being present and about um, identifying what's important. Um, really resonated. Mm. I haven't ever read a book. This is terrible. I've never read a book from another blind person about going blind. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe that that's it's interesting. Maybe that's something that's been a little bit too confronting for me. Um, there have been stories I've wanted to read. Apparently, the man who um, had his guide dog lead him out of um, the Twin Towers for 9/11 has written a book about that experience. Apparently, not only did his guide dog lead him out, but it led a group of other people um, who, who who could not see. And so, I've wanted to read that, but I haven't. Um, I haven't yet. Um, but yeah, I think motivational books definitely have a place I think the trick is to uh, make sure that the message is um, sincere and and resonates with you and be prepared to take on board what it is that's that you think is meaningful and helpful in your life and what isn't Uh I guess by example I was reading a book recently by a um, really charming I can't think of his name and it's probably okay because I don't think I'd recommend it anyway I didn't finish it and he was he was sort of a sports enthusiastic and he was going through all these things and about three chapters in when he continued to reference products and I took my you know blah blah vitamin B and I slept like a baby and I sort of went oh no this is a sell Mm. so so yeah so I think it's balancing sincerity of message and um and I guess evidence of what's being said against Mm. hype and Mm. sale and yeah but again, it draws critical thinking. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, good response. Because it's. I, I just thought I'd ask you that question because I know motivational books are really popular um, with you know our our sort of clients and um, and and self help and kind of you know learning about resilience. I mean, everybody needs this because it doesn't matter who you are and what you go through in life. You know, you you come up against challenges. So um, that was just one that. Uh, um, so Liz, I, I had a couple more, uh, a few questions. One is, which books have moved you the most? I guess emotionally and, you know, I suppose philosophically. Oh gosh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's a tough one. It's really interesting, but um, oh geez. I think there's so many different things you seek to get out of books. So I guess if we start with something like um, any one of Leanne Moriarty's really Mm. um, there's always this subtext and something going on and then you invariably learn I think Um, and I won't say names or anything in case people haven't read them but you you get insights you haven't seen on things like domestic violence or or parenting angles you hadn't considered before and I think um, Mm, Big Little Liars was um, great wasn't it? Domestic violence issues which is so important and I think the way they're presented so I thought um, that was really, uh, really um, fascinating. Um, I think it's, is it the Jodie Picoult books? I love her books, yeah. yeah. I, I love that she always picks um, some really um, sort of social issue, a topic that, you know, you really want to think about. And she sort of wraps it around a really, um, you know, compelling narrative. Yeah, and I find they're really good too. Mm, me too. Um, so I really enjoy those kinds of books. Mm. Um, 
I kind of I like to balance my reading with what's happening in my life so if I'm studying really intently and I'm at uni and I'm um, so I'm studying counseling so Mm -hmm. sometimes I could be dealing with really really in-depth topics I just finished alcohol and other drugs for example Mm -hmm. and um, you know some of what we were learning and styles and what we would need to do was really intensive Um, so I I balanced um, my recreational reading with something ridiculous and um you can guarantee if I if I'm stuck, I'll be at an Agatha Raisin or something. So oh, good. You cause... start with Agatha Raisin and the Quiche of Death. I believe that's <laughs> the very first one. Um, is that um, Beaton? I think anyway. Well, it'll be in the thing. Yeah, it is Beaton. Yeah. Is it MC Beaton? Yeah. Um, actually, that segues nicely into the other. Um, question I was going to ask you about which books make you laugh out loud because obviously you do need to have the the darkness and the lightness yeah so definitely um, any one of those from the series so I normally have um, a bunch of those or a few of those Um, I've always loved a good Janet Ivanovic book Um, oh gosh yeah Stephanie Plum um, I think she amused me for a number of years and then did they pair up with is it Lee Childs she paired up with and did a couple of um um like a a partnership I don't think so Lee Childs is going great guns and was recently in Australia and um appeared as a guest at Penrith Library one of the you know western suburbs libraries and uh, drew a crowd of about 500 people so oh, he, wow. he's immensely popular I love his books yeah. but um, but yeah no I think that she has paired up with another writer but if we can find that out we'll put it up on that yeah. into our blurb and they did a couple of them and I really enjoyed those books they're sort of these you know ridiculous kind of um, you know you, you're not going to get hurt reading the book it's going to be quite light-hearted and and easy to follow without being obvious I think Mm. that's the trick and that's the real balance to it so quite enjoy those um I will go full trash novel if it's necessary Mm -hmm. um I found a terrible series it's really bad and I bet you a bunch of people are going to go read it now and it was called Rock Chick and it was just (laughs) (laughs) says it all just trash but you know, like sometimes when when life is too serious and your brain has had enough and your your heart and your emotions have had enough, sometimes you just need to go hear about a girl in a short skirt who looks hot getting rescued by a guy whilst wearing red lipstick and driving a fancy car. You know? <laughs> I <laughs> love <human>. it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm on board with you there because we all yeah. need to do that. Um, so Liz. Um, kind of getting towards the end of our, our session. It's been wonderful having you as a guest. Um, but I, I guess I, I just wanted to ask you finally, because I know that you're study, studying counselling and there's going to be quite a lot of, you know, um, say, I don't know, I guess you learn professionally how to deal with it. If, have you thought through how, um, you know, I guess you're going to be trained to, to cope with that. But, I mean, in terms of, you know, your life and and counselling people, do you feel sort of emotionally and mentally sort of prepared to, you know, go into that field? And Because, I mean, that's a wonderful field where you can help people so much. Even, I think, just being able to talk even to a friend, but especially to a counsellor, can make a huge difference. But can I ask you why you... Well, first of all, why you kind of chose that path? Was there a reason? And then, and secondly, yeah, you know how you how you are preparing yourself, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, 
I actually chose, it's really um, kind of funny. Um, firstly, my hobbies are more the reading and the writing and I guess this interview has probably shown that's that's been a huge side of me. So when my vision got severe, I, I had to leave uh, quite a senior position and I uh, worked in a governance role. So a lot of quality, a lot of project management and things like that. And um, in the work I did, um, it was a lot of process, you know, identify issues, process improvement, um, and people were human factors. And there were a group of people we brought in, organisational psychologists and, and whatnot, who would consider people's responses. And so I could structure cultural change from, you know, this kind of governance perspective, systems improvement. And um, But I never really got to get close to the people side of it. Um, not to say that I didn't have a heart and I didn't care, but it was the nature of the work and the design and the way I had to come about it that um, would in impact and make change. So my job was always to be in a place where people were uncomfortable. Um, so when I left that and I thought, well, what am I going to do? I thought, I really want to look at that other side of it that I never have really been able to get close to because my work has always been around structuring the change and then others helping mm. people come along with it. Mm. Um, I wanted to do psychology, uh, but I felt that with my vision where it was and the statistics and um, psych students have to do assessments, so they have to like pick A, B, C, D boxes and sit in a room and I just went, well, if I'm choosing this, I'm not choosing that. Mm -hmm. So um, I looked and I chose counselling because it was still very similar. I actually think it was probably the best choice. When it comes to, um, I guess, how will I cope, I think... What I really want to be able to offer and what I think I'll be quite good at is I just want to be able to allow people to be heard mm -hmm. and allow them to be heard without judging, without any shoulds, um, all of the ways I you know, needed to be held and supported when I went through my difficult time. Um, I, don't, I don't need to get into the drama of their story. I don't need you know there are enough people who are going to sink into that with someone who's having a hard time or take them back into that just want to create a space where they can say what they need to say um, be who they need to be and um, and just basically support and stand beside someone and I think um, you know I'm learning a lot and I'm and I think that's something that I'm finding um, I'm most you know looking forward to is just being able to be there with someone who might not you know, have someone else who can be so impartial with, you know, some of the most difficult parts of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Liz. Okay. Can I add one more thing? Yeah, please. So if you're out there and you're listening and your vision is getting worse and you might not know it's worse, but it will feel like, um, you know, you're going to hesitate to pick up the book or you're not going to be as comfortable to do the things you normally do or perhaps your doctor or your ophthalmologist has said something and perhaps you're feeling a little bit like the way you used to do things and the things you used to do are no longer accessible to you. Um, I say it is okay to feel that way but there are so many different ways you can skin a cat and, and it doesn't matter. I've met people who are 86 years old who have learned how to access audiobooks, be it through a CD player or a specialised machine with big buttons or a smartphone. There are so many ways, and uh, if I can recommend, and I'm sure someone will put these in the comments, contact Guide Dogs, contact Vision Australia, 
Um, if your vision is holding you back from something you want to do, whether it's sewing, reading, um, getting the mail from the mailbox, buying the milk, whatever it is, reach out and get help because you deserve to be able to enjoy your life and there are people there and there are services that are available to you that will help you achieve that. Liz, thank you so much. You've been a wonderful guest and thanks for giving us your time and all the very best for your future. Thank you. So, um, everybody, we'll, we're about to sign off and please find our podcast. So we're Parapods. So look us up on City of Parramatta Council and uh, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. material presented in this podcast is for general information only. Any opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the guest speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of City of Parramatta Council. City of Parramatta Council is not responsible for any injury, loss or damage which you may directly or indirectly suffer in connection with this podcast.